You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Liberty Podcast. I don't. My lips don't work anymore. Welcome to the Boss Hog of Liberty Podcast. This is episode number three hundred and thirty-four of East Central's favorite podcast. Jeremiah Morrill, joined by executive video producer, audio engineer, and uh, literally the reason we can get on the air, Zach Burcham, and my forever co-host, Mister Dakota Davis. What are we doing today? Today's episode features state. Representative Mr. Corey Criswell. He is in the studio tonight. We're going to be talking to him about his background, um, getting to know Corey a little bit. Then we're going to talk about his uh, first term in office and what it's been like, what's been different, the things that have surprised him. We're also going to go over the bills that he has authored and co-authored. And then at the very end of the show, we're going to talk about constituent surveys and everything that you would want to know about those. So make sure you stick around until the very end of the show. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully you'll always learn something new. Uh, Dakota, you did all of that by memory last week. Yeah. I'm really impressed. Yeah, Genuinely got, impressed. You've got to go. I have to look at it, and I've said it 300 times. It was an adrenaline rush. I was pure. Just like, a pure high wire act. I've heard. I've, I thought to myself, I've heard this 300 times. <laughs> I've got the elder even over it. <laughs> so you guys did a show. Things went well. Things went well last week. Yeah. All right. We had a uh, uh, Henry County Council at large candidate Clint Weaver was on the show. And uh, did you get any angry emails from the other five candidates that wanted to go? What the hell, Dakota? No, I made it very clear during <laughs> the show that whenever I invited Clint on, he was the only county council at large candidate that had not been on this program before okay there were four people running and the other three had been on was, this is a makeup date for him right this so it was like justified let's, it. let's get to know clint but we also mainly what we talked about with clint last week um if you haven't heard it yet uh we talked about he's this is the first time that he's ever ran for public office of any kind so it's kind of you know, he's doing some inside baseball, telling people what it's like to file for office and those types of things and how it might seem intimidating, but it really wasn't that bad. But I, this idiot over here in my seat has done it many times. If, mm-hmm. if I can figure it out, any anybody can run for office. Don't let that be a barrier to entry. Uh, so far, no Democrats have filed, by the way, for any of the county stuff. So you've got uh, there's there's a second chance to fill up the ballot and have some competitive elections. Otherwise, it's just going to be really busy on the show between now and May as we uh, as we try to yeah work through then, every then, single uh, office and then nothing after and May. then it's just and then it's just done. We just throw the <laughs> the voting machines away. You want to yeah. push for the Patreon? We also during the Patreon, uh, Mister Weaver is was an eyewitness to the explosions that rocked oh, Henry yeah. County a yeah. couple of weeks ago. That was his neighborhood. So we asked him about that during the Patreon portion. Very good. So the Patreon we just recorded. Um, let's see, what do they get? They get to see what I can buy in the airport, mm-hmm. how much an airport, uh, crab cake costs. 
Um, we we tr- we sampled some popcorn. Yeah, there's some very funny looking popcorn. bag of popcorn on the end of the table there. You could try to figure out what it says on there. It was interesting. And I uh, I told some stories from uh, from the, the Pirates of the Caribbean. That was I think that's what we're going to leave it at. You got some thank yous to make. We do. Uh, $50 or more a month on patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty. That's how you get thanked at the very start of the show each and every week. And we also plug whatever you do. Um, those folks are Miss Christy Avery, all the way in Fort Wayne, Indiana. She's a Norwex dealer and she is great. And we love Christy. And then we have Mr. Jonathan Phillips, who is our favorite car dealer in the continental United States at Andy Moore Buick and GMC in Fishers, Indiana. Then Mr. Anthony Meyer, who runs a trucking company. He is an owner operator and he is keeping the United States of America running and we appreciate him. And then last week we introduced the newest member of the club, Sports Corner, Newcastle. They're under new ownership, and they're just great people. Uh, we appreciate them supporting the show. They're longtime listeners, and uh, they're starting to support us at that level, and we appreciate them very much. Uh, you can go down to them, get all of your Newcastle Trojans gear, or really any sports team in Henry County. They will do for you. Get all your custom stuff made. Uh, Blake Reese is scheduled to join us next week, I believe. So he's going to be the, uh, the special guest on the show. Um, all right, so let's get to know uh, let's get to know Representative Corey Criswell. Uh, now that we got all the business out of the way, now it's now it's all your time, man. We get to hang out and talk. Um, tell us about yourself. I, I born and raised in Henry County. You're you're wrapping up your first term, running for reelection now. I suppose, yep. right? Yep. You're one of the names that filed. Yep. All right. Let's so, so I'm Corey. Uh, Corey Criswell. I live in Middletown with my beautiful wife Sabrina of nine years. Uh, we have two little ones, a four and a two year old, and they're. I'm sure they're at home running around, keeping my wife busy right now, hopefully getting ready for bed, but who knows with them. So it depends how long a nap my uh, two-year-old daughter took at what time she goes to bed. Yeah. But uh, So I'm born and raised here. I uh, lived in Caddis for first 16 years, Cadiz, as we talked about in the Patreon, but uh, I call it Caddis if you're from Henry County, and then I went to Shenandoah, then moved to Middletown, and that's where I resided. Uh, so I graduated in 2009 from Shenandoah. After I left Shenandoah, I went to Anderson University and uh, graduated from there. Then my wife, we were together at uh, probably my junior, sophomore, junior year, Anderson. We uh, met. She's from Blue River. So met, went to Anderson, graduated, my first teaching job offer, and we'll get into this, but... uh was in Las Vegas, Nevada, and my mentor would say in the education field, kind of, he was my athletic director, government teacher uh, at Shenandoah, kind of, he moved there to be close to their son. So I was like, I'm going to apply jobs there, Nashville, Tennessee, and then around here, obviously. So that was my first job offer was in Las Vegas. I took it and then I started getting job offers around here and I'm like, we're going. I mean, a guy, a kid from Middletown, Caddis, we have the opportunity to go. She's from Mount Summit to go to Las Vegas and experience that water and experience it was for us. We got to see you name it. We probably seen it in concert when we were just uh just newly married, went out there, uh got to see all those Taylor Swift for all those Swifties uh in the Kansas City Chiefs game, whether you like it or not. Uh my wife is one. I have to deal with that, but oh, that uh, explains the red shirt. Now. Yeah, I get it. That's a that's the subtle Chiefs messaging is what you're wearing. Yeah. So no, I would say no, <laughs> uh, no on that. But uh, so I went out there. I taught in inner city school for three years, uh, Garside Junior High School. 
and the kind of demographics of that was 45% uh, Hispanic, 45% black, and 10% white. So it was definitely a culture shock being from here uh, going there. But I tell people every day that was probably the best three years of creating an adult and human being that with communication skills, build relationships with kids in those uh, conditions that they, and they get thrown those kids out there get pushed into ways at an early, early age. They, I always tease my friends, they, they taught me stuff that they got pushed it to at sixth grade. So, but it's, it comes back to those communication, build relationships, and you can do, those kids will eat it up and you can do anything with them that you ever wanted. I still in contact with a couple of them. One, a former player played, uh, Collegiate basketball, University UNLV. Uh, then she got a tryout with uh, the Phoenix Mercury. So I still in touch with her. Juan played at a college in Minnesota, Division One college. They played at Butler a couple years ago. I went to see him. Hopefully, go see him again here this year when they're back there. So it's all about relationships. And I think those kids, they need anything. They know they could have called Mr. Chriswell and he would have tried to help them out as uh, much as I could. But my wife and I, we were discussing, uh, talking about wanting to have kids and possibly trying. I said, we are not raising them here. So we moved back home. I was fortunate enough to get a job at Newcastle. Uh, fortunate enough to get the opportunity to coach there and teach there. I uh, loved every minute my six years there at Newcastle. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better place to teach. I taught all the way from elementary all the way to high school. I ended in elementary. Uh, I, I loved it. Those kids enjoyed every day coming into PE class. That's what I enjoyed. Uh, they didn't gripe and complain when I was at the middle school and high school. They tend to do that uh, about PE. But, they, were, they were pretty happy to go to gym class. Yeah, right? so elementary kids are happy to go to gym, so... You were Michael Jordan every day walking in the classroom yeah. and walking in the lunchroom anywhere you went. They are screaming and yelling, but that was yeah. part of that. It's controlled chaos uh, in gym, but we have a good time. And that was kind of my, so I taught all of last year when I was in session and then taught all of last year. Last year, so uh, the kid that took over for me is now the PE teacher that took my job. I didn't get into education, take four months off out of the year, whether Dr. Shoemaker didn't really want me to leave uh, when I discussed even running. And then when I got elected, he didn't want me to leave, but I didn't feel right taking four months off out of the year since we're a part-time legislator. It's not really part-time work, but we'll get later yeah. in that in the show. Yeah. Uh, but so I... Uh, resigned at the end of the year and then there happened to be a job right up my alley at the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame so I kind of went it was it was perfect it Dove, was God's plan I always dovetailed right in I'm a big believer and everything happens for a reason so and there's a the, the, the an aside but we had Chris Mays previously been a part, mm -hmm. part of this program as well uh who I, it was a little bit different role I, I assume yep, yep. Uh, but big expansion going on at the Hall of Fame right now too oh yeah it's awesome so I know there's a lot of people in Henry County and probably listening right now that's never visited the Hall of Fame. I suggest if you're a sports fan of any kind, come out there and just see what it's about. It's it's a great place, very well put together, and with a, about 6,500 square foot expansion going on, I'm kind of in the lead role of fundraising for that. So uh, if you're willing to donate, get a hold of me, but uh, come out and see what it's about and see everything happening here in Henry County. So, so what's the motivator to go from, okay, you're teaching, you're, you've got the family stuff. I know you had some of your own businesses as well. Yeah. And Representative Saunders is retiring and you say, I want to jump in. What was the 
the seminal moment of saying, "Hey, this is what I care about, and this is why I want to be I wanted to be a state rep." So it would pro- it was probably uh, I would say early January of that year, and would have been twenty twenty two that year. I was kind of complaining about certain things just happened in education because education is always a hot topic and that's what I'm in every day. And, uh, my wife read in the paper, Saunders was retiring or she's read it. So I come home and she says, why don't you, she might not have said it in these exact words, but, uh, why don't you, why don't you stop complaining and do something about it? And then she went on to say, Tom, your Tom Saunders is retiring. He's been in for 26 years, uh, served a long time. Uh, I think you'd be a good fit to be a, uh, you have a good name ID, being a basketball coach at Newcastle, being a mm-hmm. teacher, being from Northern Henry County, Middletown area. You've built great relationships. I think you'd be a good fit. And I thought she was crazy at first. I'll say that on air live. <laughs> uh, but I gave her the silent treatment for a while. I, Probably two weeks. I just went without. Didn't want to answer it. I did. I said, you were still talking to her. You just weren't yeah, talking about yeah, that, right? About that. We were still that'd be talking. An awful awkward yeah, couple weeks. Yeah, at home. we were still talking, especially with young ones. But <laughs> yeah. uh, we were still talking, but just not about that particular thing. And she kind of pushed me again, and uh, I said, "You know what?" So then I called, started calling some close friends, and they thought it was a great idea. Then started calling some other people that was kind of I was close with and had relationships with and they thought it would be good. So I'm like, why not? You only live once. I've always uh, enjoyed politics. I've read about it. She knows that. Watch the news. Don't believe everything you hear on the news. And we can get talk about that because we'll get into that here in a little bit about both sides of the aisle. We get along at the state level. We're nothing like DC when it comes to that. We get along. Well, hell there's barely any Democrats to even, you you got, you got to go searching for them on the Senate (laughs) side. They would fit in a minivan. Yeah. That, they yeah nine of them a big one but yeah yeah Zach, so, Zach could take the entire Democrat group in his in his excursion I'm pretty sure oh for, and have yeah. a seatbelt for everybody that's on the yeah. in the Indiana Senate <laughs> yeah but uh, so decided to run and threw our name in the ring and knocked on a lot of doors and just got to work. So you won, you took office. Obviously, it was a very diluted, a lot of, not diluted, but there were a heck of a lot of names on the ballot for in, in May. You got through the, the general election, you won, and now you're wrapping up the second year. So you've had a long session and now the short session. How does it match the expectations and what you thought you're getting into before we totally jump into issues, but just the, the expectation of serving as a legislator? I would say the first year for sure, but being thrown in, you're new into a budget year your head's in a whirlwind there. If you say it's not any new legislator that has coming in fresh, I think there's, I came in with a couple that was been around there and their head was spinning. I mean, what's going on? People are wanting to talk to you about things. You're like, yeah, but we do, they, I'll give speaker Houston a lot of credit. He, we have a mentor program and my mentor is Brad Barrett, which happens to serve half a Henry, uh, half of a township here. Uh, and the Hagerstown schools there that's in Henry County, but he says he donates to me. So I take care of it, but he's been a great, he, uh, any questions I have, he answers anything that happens, say in session when we're sitting at our chairs, he's not too far, but I got a good seat mentor. I say, I, 
he's he probably needs something in his left ear because I always ask him, okay, what's going on? So now that now we're, when he's got earbuds next yeah. year, you'll know it's for <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. So, but it's good. You got people around you that want to help, want you to learn and how that place works, and you got to build relationships with the chairman. The chairman, we can get into that too. The chairman have a lot of they got a lot of say. So you have bills. You got to sell it to them for it to get heard. It's not, right. it's not like every beer. Some people think every bill that's written gets a hearing. That's definitely not the case. So you just got to build your relationships. Obviously, constituent services here in Henry County and uh, District 54 is key. And that was probably the one thing that uh, Representative Saunders, he kept harping on me about. Just don't forget, don't forget District your district that's the way you vote your district what they want that's the way you need to vote unless it's completely against your moral values but those 70,000 people that you represent those are your people so yeah he he always talked about the the committee side and i know there was thing he had authored a couple of bills for like ending straight ticket voting was mm-hmm. one of them and he's like oh, yeah they they never even made it through the committee. Yep. He's like, they never even got a hearing. And it was like, oh, I, that was the first time, like, like you said, I was one of the people who thought, oh, a bill gets written, it goes to the committee yep. and they read about it in the committee and then it goes to the floor. And I'm like, they can just decide. They that just it's, throw it away. And he's like, yeah, they're just not going to hear it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> so, and you've got not only most all of Henry County, but yeah. you also represent uh, portions of Rush, Shelby, and is it Hancock as well? Yeah, so I got pretty much all Henry, all of Rush, and then I have in Shelby, it's the town of Morristown, Hanover Township, and then one, the very southeast corner of Hancock County, one township, Blue River Township, so... Yep, you got all my family down there in Morristown and in yep. and, and, and that little bit of Fountaintown area yep. too. So yeah, those are those are my people. Um, all right. So let's, let's talk about what's happened this year. You, you, you authored some bills. You, you had some, some folks that talked to you. I think they were, if you, if folks have the show notes, by the way, if you're a patron, you get, you get them emailed to you. Dakota's got the links there to, uh, to everything that, uh, that, uh, Representative Criswell's name is on. Uh, the first bill that you authored was, was related to education and issues yep. you were concerned about. Yep. And then the second one you had was one that's pretty, pretty familiar to our audience here as we've had, Sheriff Sproles come through and talking about this town marshal's issue, you attempted to take some action on that and and adjust the the way that the town marshal system works. Yeah, so that bill uh, came to me by Sheriff Sproles and uh, some of his, he wasn't the only sheriff that's having a problem in the state. So came to me and kind of, I've talked to the FOP, Sheriff's Association, you kind of bring all sides of the issue together, sit them down and say, let's work on something to get it. How do we want it? Do we want to step in full force and just drop the hammer? Or do we want to try to put his foot in and say, we need to do this to kind of, we know this is an issue. And if you don't correct it, we're we're going to correct it. So it's it's kind of how it goes. So as you're pulling all you're kind of the you're you're leading the charge for this yep. but you're working with all of these different maybe this is one of your your issues that you're going to champion going forward. How long does that process take to to feel like you know the issue and you know the players and you've looked at all sides so that you can try to sell it to the rest of the general assembly? I would say it takes uh you got to know the players in the game about whatever issues and you learn that, I would say, after the first term, first session uh, last year, you kind of know, say, anything with this, you need to get these these groups on board, and this is what you need to 
it has to come with local government. You need to get commissioners, uh, aim. It's all, all the cities and towns are kind of a part of that. Get them at the table. Just depends what situation you're talking about. Get them to the table. Let's get something done. Let's get a deal done that you guys can agree on. So hopefully it just goes through without any hesitation because as soon as you have, say, AIM's not for it and you're pushing it through and they're harping, they get everybody. A lot of, a lot of folks get those, in their ears. They send those blast emails out yeah. and then it's one it thing, takes uh, a toll. One thing Tom always has talked about is uh, anytime that he had something, that an issue that he wanted brought up or he needed to talk to a committee chair about something, he was always – he was – went to them in person. You yep. would always go to their office saying like, it's really easy to ignore an email and to ignore, ignore a voicemail. But whenever I'm standing in your office, it's pretty hard to ignore me. So it, Tom is uh, like, we talked before the show, but he's just kind of this treasure trove of information yep. for, and everything that you're saying, kind of learning it, it, it it's harking back to the stuff that he has said, you know, just, knowing who to talk to, what places to go to. And I feel like it, it would be super overwhelming to have been in your shoes, especially that first, especially being a long session yeah. would have been kind of insane. But also a long session, you've got more time to try to figure it out yep. so that you're a little bit more prepared for next year, right? For sure. Hopefully anyway. Yeah, for sure. I would say uh, going back to Representative Saunders, I've said it earlier and I'll say it again. Anytime I call, if he don't answer, he'll call me right back. And any questions I have, he almost, I would say every time he's had the answer for me. You need to call this person. You need to call that person. Uh, take care of this issue for whoever's called you, the constituent. I mean, he's been great for me. Anything that happens, even when it's not to that, just I have a question on this. How'd you handle this? If someone wanted to meet, maybe they're not in your district, but they still want to meet and talk to you. How'd you handle those and kind of juggle all that? Because you get all those. I mean, you get emails from people from all over the state. How do you handle Do you answer them? Do you not? What do you do? Prioritize who's in the district and then triage the rest. Yeah. So. He he's he's been helpful for me just to, to throw those ideas on. So and I, I skimmed over it. I I got we got to talking and I didn't I didn't follow Dakota's uh, order of operations here. He wanted to, you wanted to talk about the committees as well, right? Oh uh, yeah, uh, environmental affairs, public policy, and then the roads and transportation committees. I really just wanted to know how how those assignments work. Are do you get to choose any of that? Do you have any say at all, or is it just like hey? Corey, these are the three. Yeah. So uh, the speaker gives you the list and then you put you put your top five on what you wanted. Sometimes you get some on your top five. Sometimes you don't. It's kind of how it goes. So and then he places everybody on three unless I think like you're the ways and means chair. You're not on them. Different. Some of the different right. committee chairs, the big heavy hitters ones, they're only on maybe two. So they uh, kind of fluctuate. So everybody's on three committees. Uh, so environmental, I can't say that I asked to be on that, but I've got thrown on it, but we have a great chairman, Alan Morrison. Uh, he's from over North of Terre Haute area. Uh, been everybody down there is extremely helpful if you have questions. So, uh, he's great. I did ask to be on roads and transit. I wouldn't say it was my, it was probably my number five, 
But, uh, <laughs> it was on the list. It was said, on the list, but uh, and Representative Saunders served on it for a long time. He served so there on was, it. it was he said his swap. whole career, so yep. they, that was an easy swap. And I would say that's exactly why I got on it in public policy. I said I lived in Las Vegas, so that was something that interests me. Las yeah. Vegas is home of you're in charge of gambling now. Everything of that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fun, as my whole uh, my buddies call it down, they say uh, fun and games. So everything <laughs> with deals with fun and games, alcohol, gambling, anything becomes to that comes to that committee. All of the sins you get to determine. Yeah. yeah. So how when do, how do we so get when, more Buffalo Trace allocation? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a distributor problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh, that that is going to be interesting though as your as your time in the general assembly moves on. Yeah. Uh, possibilities for chairmanships on the committees that yep. you're on or vice chairman, and yep. I, I assume that 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 just takes time and and experience on the committees that you choose to serve on. Yeah, absolutely. I would say it just takes time and takes those chairmen to move on or do something else or who knows what they're going to do. Just retire some of those folks are running for congress now i assume there's that half half the building's running for office right have a bunch of new office there's there's a bunch of them running for sure so let's talk about the four bills that you authored this year uh we'll hop right into the legislation side of the discussion um so the the four bills that you authored dealt with teaching the reserve deputies um treasurer fees and then elections i know that there's only you can, you're only allowed to author and submit so many bills. So I'm just kind of interested in, uh, the, the thought, the thought process for you of this is what I'm going to submit this year for this session, whatever. How'd you come up with your top priorities here? So Jeremiah kind of alluded to it. Education's kind of in my wheelhouse. That's where my experience is, I would say. Uh, so the first one kind of hits home with me. It's, uh, for those that don't know, teachers, you got to take usually around your sophomore year of college, you got to take what's called the Praxis One test when I took it, which I feel like wasn't that long ago, but it's changed <laughs> since then. It was the you had to pass reading, writing, and math portion of a test uh, to even move on throughout the process. So, uh, as we all know, teachers, I wouldn't say get paid nearly enough. And I'm first to say that I was one, but I loved what I did. And so I wouldn't have changed anything I ever done. But uh it kind of hits home there with me because the reading part of that, I probably took it, I would say eight to 10 times to pass it. Uh So I spent over a thousand, probably closer to two or $3,000 just to take that test, just so I could become a teacher. Uh I think it's didn't make me a good teacher at all. I mean, it didn't. You feel it, like it, t- it helped you learn how to pass a test? Yeah. So it didn't matter. I was, I got into education to be a role model for kids and hopefully be a positive influence for them. That's kind of, and I wanted to coach. So that's kind of the reasons why, and the reasons why I believe a lot of teachers get into it. And as the administrators or fellow teachers out there listening, you can walk by a classroom and you can know what kind of teacher that is in the matter of less than five minutes just by classroom management and if or if the students are engaged that's cool i didn't think i don't think that test is necessary now it's kind of changed it's it's a single test still the praxis one but it's just a single test they got to pass i'm saying do away with that and then all you have to take there's that is the praxis two, which is your content area. If you're going to be a science teacher, you pass the science test. There you go. So it's, it's fascinating to me that that's there by law. That's not like the education department saying, Hey, this is how we're going to do it. 
literally the General Assembly has sat down and said, this test has to get passed for you to be able to teach in Indiana. Yeah. Like, so this it, is, that sounds ar- a little arcane. Yeah. So there's a, and the representative side, there's two teachers and two administrators in on our side. So four total in education on our side. And I, I say I've, some of the people that make the decision on this particular thing, I, I just say, have you taught? Right. They say no. Yeah. And I said, well, I have for nine years when there's been teachers out there, obviously teach a lot longer than that. But uh, I just feel like it doesn't make a, you a great teacher. Now, do you need to know how to do those things? Absolutely. But I feel like if you're going to college. Let's hold the college education departments accountable for some of these things to pass good teachers or people that are will be good teachers so that's kind of that how that bill comes about so that's definitely not the last time you're going to see that bill filed it'll probably get filed until it finally gets a hearing it's going to be your this is going to be your curse of writing bill isn't it yeah probably <laughs> so we'll see long, long time senator lysing who's yep. re- represented this area for 20 years or so yep. uh she's always had the curse of writing in school bill oh yeah she never she doesn't let me hear the end of that one so so that's kind of how that one comes about so we'll we'll keep filing that but we can move on to the sheriff's bill we mentioned earlier uh sheriff's rolls called and obviously i known that we have a problem so i got those pieces the fop sheriff's association we came together and kind of came up with a plan how are we going to try to cure this problem without just dropping the hammer on them and I said, I brought the idea. I said, what if we make them have marked police cars to start off with? Has to be certain amount. You got to be able to see it's Caddis Police Department on the side, which their vehicle is marked. We have other t- towns or that's not marked. They, they're driving around nicer cars than our Newcastle Police Department Sheriff's Department has of their own cars. They're leasing them back to the town for $1. They're getting a plate and they're in full-blown police cars, but Dakota owns the car. Mm-hmm. So kind of, it's not supposed to be like that, but it is. Uh, so how are we going to kind of cure that issue uh, a little bit? And I think if you say Dakota, you got to have, whatever caddis police department big on the side of your doors that might be a little deterrent on you doing it so that's kind of the background on why we're going about it that way and uh it didn't get a hearing this year but it's coming back and i'll would bet that next year it'll definitely get a hearing and probably move through the system and there's some changes that are that can be made so if you're listening and you don't like it right now and you have suggestions i'm willing to listen to you uh but no it's going to come back and i think something needs to be done i think we do have a problem when you have 30 police police officers and they're on 30 unknocked cars which I've always thought driving around before I got in, I'm like, man, there's I'm, I see awful unmarked cars around here. You have no idea what where they belong. Going on. Turns out they all go to Greensboro. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's kind of where that one came from. And like I said, with the first one, that one's going to come back, and I would that one's going to get a hearing next year and move through the system. Uh, we talked earlier. Uh, was told that these non-budget years are emergency session only so uh 
when you're kind of new, you take that for emergencies. I mean, they're like have to happen now. It's like life or death things. And then once you get in there, the, the fresh, fresh emergency, emergency, freshman priorities don't matter as much. Yeah. Those aren't emergencies. Emergencies are in quotes. So <laughs> then you, you're, you're voting on stuff. You're like, I didn't think that, I don't think this is do or die time, but, uh, that's, that's living you learn. So, uh, I learned that. So we'll, we'll push all of our bills here next year. We'll push them all. And then the following year, we'll push them all again. But to get to CODIS first, so in an off cycle, in a budget year, we can, we can file 10 bills and a non budget year, you can only file five. So that's okay. kind of how that works. Now that's, it's not like in the rule book. That's just kind of. It's the way it's done. What? Yeah, that's the way you're voluntold. Yeah, I knew something. Tom had said you're 10 volunteer. bills and, but he's like in less in a non-budget year. So yeah. I didn't know what the less was. I, I didn't know it was five. Yeah. So you want me to just keep. No, yeah. Through? yeah. You, you spend as much or as little time as you want to on them. I know they're not necessarily going some of this year, but I think yeah. it shows to the audience where your priorities are and the things you're concerned about. Yeah. So county treasurer fees came to us by our county treasurer here in Henry County bill up church. They're obviously, uh, they have a big county statewide county treasurer, I would say group text or whatever, uh, message board emails. And they've seen a lot of problems where they send something out and you get it, Jeremiah, and then you come in the office and you want them to reprint it. They reprint it, supposed to charge you a dime, but that's not even worth their time. And then two days later, you come back again and want them to reprint it. They get this constant, the same people over and over and over coming in their office asking you to reprint stuff. And I mean, it's kind of a waste of their time when they've already done it five times prior and to it, that. And it can't just be an email. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this just ups yeah, the fee from a dime to a dollar. So maybe it will, uh, Maybe it'll deter them from that. So that came in to, to by uh, Bill Upchurch. Then elections of small towns and uh, cities, really just small towns, uh, what it should be. Is any, this came because how much an election can cost to hold. So on a uh, mayoral uh, off cycle, an odd numbered year, it could it can cost say there was an election here in Newcastle, but there was an election in Louisville or Strawn. It can cost them a significant like um over fifty thousand dollars to hold an election. Right. But their budgets aren't even some of and they would budget. they would have to have the bear the sole cost of yes. that. So I'm saying which now it's they can opt in. I would highly suggest them to opt in to get more people to vote in the election, even though they should be voting anyways. But they'll have more people to vote. I think it's a good idea for them to get on the even numbered years to have to not to not have their own election. So So this is a you're trying to just change the year that they have the election. Yes. By law and say, hey, no more odd year elections where, oh. We didn't realize that so now it's Kennard May, was having an election yeah. this year. So now it's a May provision. So they can, if their town board opts into it, majority votes, whatever, they can opt into it and do it themselves. Mine would just make that a shall. Okay. They need to do it. it it's kind of, I think it should be done. I've spoken to people. They can't believe it's not like that already, but it's just kind of my way of thinking. If there's could be a lot of people that give me some pushback on that, but 
I think I try to get as many people to vote as we can for right. those times because you've seen some of these elections here. So would it change the, just the small towns, but like say Newcastle with their city election yeah. or Indianapolis with their election yeah. cycle? It yeah, would change less those. than thirty five hundred residents. Less than thirty five hundred residents. That's in there because Brownsburg's really considered a town still. Avon, some of these, yep. their Fishers was a town until yeah. just a few years back. Yeah, so it's. Wow. Try huh. tries to just narrow down. Now, like the city of Elwood has a mayor. They're small. Uh, that doesn't touch them. If you have a mayor, this doesn't touch you. This is it's just, town. just towns. So that's kind of how that goes. And uh, I co-authored some bills. So and we have in the yeah, show. a lot of them have to do with education. Yep. Yeah. So I uh, I look through whenever they start uh, the speaker starts pushing out the bill list. I look through the bill list, look at the titles of the bills. Uh, kind of look at my committees and some of the titles, you'll know where they go and uh, uh, kind of watch what your interests are. And some you click on and you start reading the digest and you're like, no way. Not, not, not your touch- wheelhouse. Yeah. So, so now you had the, uh, now you're in, you're involved with public policy, which is the, uh, uh, all of the fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, you, you added your name to the alcohol beverage sales bill. House yep. bill 1086. What's, what, what was that bill about? So that was, uh, as they call it there around the state house, the happy hour bill, uh, just legalizes that local ice house tavern can have a happy hour legally, uh, in whatever days they choose. It's like they, you 15 hours a week, there's stipulations on it. Some of them, I listened to the show, Dakota. I heard, I agree with you. Some of them's a little crazy stipulations, but they, <laughs> yeah, all but, of them that went, yeah. yeah. So there's stipulations only 15 hours a week, certain things. So, we say between, say, three and five or five and seven, we can have a special on whatever drink you want. Because right now, happy hour is food only in Indiana. It's You can't. We, yeah. we've, half we've got price some, appetizers. Yeah. Yeah. Half price apps. <laughs> so did this get through? Did this make it to the other yeah, side? So this made it to the other side. And I. This is a signature. I would, a signature issue here. I would, I, I would take full credit for this if this works out. I would say it's there's a very good possibility that this is going to move through and become law as of ding, July ding, one. Ding, ding. Nice. So, there needs there to be a Corey Criswell happy hour bar like bar hopping tour, like a bar <laughs> crawl, just like from three to five on a Tuesday. Just like we're going to get. You need all. to talk to the folks at the tap house right across the street here. Talk to Mike and Teresa and have a. They called like the. Uh, Two to four PM is the Corey Criswell happy hour. Yeah, I. So when I, for those that don't know, public policy you deal with alcohol. Alcohol laws are it's like a big spider web oh, to figure insane. out. It's nuts what's going on there. So uh, my favorite public policy side in Indiana is that grocery stores can sell hard liquor because they have a pharmacist. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. why. Yep. And oh, it, it goes back to <laughs> prohibition whenever they were distilling. Whisk bourbon for medicinal purposes only. That that's where that comes from. So you had in order to sell hard liquor, you had to have a pharmacist because it was medicinal purposes. Yeah. So those of you, we'll just do a little. It's a hundred years later. A brief tutorial on alcohol, on what your <laughs> bars have to deal with, and uh, things. So your beer guys, which Budweiser and Miller, uh, they have franchise protection so your local tavern here can only buy if dakota owned one he can only buy bud light and 
bud of beers from one guy, Jeremiah. You got to buy it from me, and, state law. Yep, mm. state. He can only buy from them. And Miller Coors, he can only buy from me. So they're. Are you, I mean, guys, are you allowed to talk about this when the state chairman owns all the liquor stores? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's, that's, Moving so on. that's, yeah. So that's how it goes. And, uh, so they got franchise protections. The only way Dakota could not buy it for me is go through courts and spend thousands and thousands of dollars to start buying it from whoever. But liquor, Dakota can shop around and get best prices and do all that illegally. Now, Dakota is not allowed if he owns that. He cannot buy it from Walmart, even though he can get it cheaper. He's not allowed he to go buy it buy through from distributor. Walmart. Has to buy it through the distributor off the truck, right, Tim? So there's a quick, there's a lot more, but those are, that's your quick. A lot of you probably don't know because I've told that to a lot of friends and they're like, you mean you can't just go buy it from Meyer or Walmart? I'm like, no, no yeah. way. You get in trouble, big trouble. You're, uh, you're it's got to be pedigreed. It's got to come through the right places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you hear from uh, former Senator Merritt and uh, uh, Brad Kloppenstein on their Alpsbrow beer? Mm-hmm. They they were here about a year ago launching launching their new beer. Um, so local yeah, I, local I craft a, or local craft beer as well. We I just had a listener send me a message about Alpsbrow. Like I I can't find it anywhere. Do you know where I can buy it? I, sorry, we do keep like. <laughs> Given craft breweries and stuff more, more reasons to expand and grow, and the way it's going, I would say it's the whole seven point one policy is going to be looked at here in the near future, at least. So we'll see where alcohol laws go from there. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I've it's stuff that I've never understood since uh, Sunday sales. Yep. You know, like. Uh, all of a sudden we could have Sunday sales, but then it was only, noon well, only one shift. Yeah. And it yeah. was like noon to eight. No yeah. one really could make sense of it. And then it was like, oh, well, it's because now the liquor stores, they only have to have one eight hour shift there. Now it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Why is it noon to eight? Okay. Any other highlights on the active bills that you want to talk about or, or promote before we, uh, before we jump into the next segment here? I would say some of the, the that I'm co-authored that are moving across the aisle that'll probably pass is there's this uh, House Bill 1104. It's a school safety bill. It just gives uh, schools some money for safety, obviously, but it gives more or less. It gives them the opportunity to hire a police officer, and that police officer to still have benefits, retirement, and so on through the state, just like your normal police officers uh, can. Okay. So it gives them a little more flexibility because they were have some schools are having trouble doing it, but I know schools around here have a great relationship with the County Sheriff's department or the local police department, or I'm good friends with the SRO here at Newcastle, Chase Coger, and he does a well of a job to, for that school. He's all over the place. He cares about the kids. He's always in my ear about certain things when it comes to that stuff. So it's awesome to have people engaged, and it's always nice to see familiar faces there at the state house too from your district because you get bombarded a lot that, of times. Does that have anything? I know you were in the newspaper not long ago. Um, something dealing with the Newcastle schools for uh, public safety funds was yeah. is that is that so, dealing uh, with that any? It, a little bit, but I that that was uh, they got a grant that I thought needed to be recognized through. Uh, a grant process federally they got 
I want to millions of dollars. It was like two, uh, it might have been two point three or two point. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I exactly. oh, wow, Off the top really of my head, seven it was, million dollars. Yeah, yeah, it was a great, and I just was like, they. Huh. And I really didn't see anything about it, so I'm like, this needs. We got it. They, they need recognized on this because, I mean, they do great things there. The schools, obviously, I'm engaged in different things any school in my district does. So I was like, they need recognized on this issue. So at the higher level of, of of issues that you guys are having to tackle as a general assembly, I know one that caught a lot of news in the last in the last month has been. There's a major bu- budget deficit of a I think it's a billion dollar problem with with FSSA or medic uh, some medical funding. How do you as you're sitting there minding your own business and they say, "Hey, we got a billion dollar problem. Please fix it." What what's what's a guy do? Oh, <laughs> well, this thing rings off the hook uh, for one, and get to the bottom of the issue. How is a good question when you have that many people employed in that uh, department? How are we a billion dollars short? And then just uh, dive in and let's come up with a solution. Um, thank goodness that we have some reserves, but I mean, you're still a billion dollars short. And that that's unsustainable we, to have we, that happen the, yeah, the following year, right? Yeah, we uh, like to have good balance budgets and different things. And when you're not expecting a billion dollar, when you're taking a billion dollar hit, in this state, you're taking a huge hit and you get to the bottom on what happened. Who dropped the ball? What do we need to do to fix it? Kind of get Did it. you ever hear a good explanation? I've yet to hear a good explanation and we've had quite a few meetings, but uh, maybe one, not going to get into detail, maybe one just a couple of days ago, I would say Tuesday afternoon, we had FSSA in, talk to us and explain, kind of give me, <laughs> let's see some graphs and numbers on what we're going to do and kind of give us an explanation on your plans on why you rolled out this thing to save or save some money, which is great. But does there was some pushback? I think like uh, some folks were getting paid to to, for as caretakers because there weren't enough nurses. Yeah. So the biggest pushback and you've seen it on the news, it's uh, so say I had a a child with a disability. I don't, but uh, say I did, I could, my wife or I could get paid to take care of them for mm. however many hours they were given to by the state. Yep. Uh, so versus the state paying versus, for a nurse to come yeah. in that's not available anyway. Yeah, which I think's a great idea. Uh, now we do that for elder care already, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think it's my wife and I should have that opportunity. We don't have to pay Dakota to come in and do it. I mean, we can take care of it ourselves. But water. How are we going to draw the line? Because these hours that this isn't, this is when I talked about the media. There's a, they do a great job. They, the issue, but they tell you just some of the things that's going on. They don't tell you the whole truth. They'll tell you bits and pieces, the highlights and what they want to you to direct your mind to. But I would say my wife and I don't deserve, if I'm taking care of my own kid, don't deserve a hundred hours of attendant care hours to take care of my kid. When, when can we cut the line off? You worked and then you're being a parent. Right. Cause obviously I don't want to take anything from, I would say, uh, the disabled children for those. The the thing is like, uh, if you're, if a parent is going to be the primary caretaker at that point, then you have to, the, the state has to go, okay, that person is sacrificing, a full-time job, which also is contributing to the state. So the state that if 
the state's going to be saving money by not sending a nurse out to that residence, then they are compensated as such. But like you said, you're not going above and beyond that. You're not paying them for just being their parent, you know? Yeah. So you, it's a fine line that we got to, we're going to have to juggle and we're going to have to come up with a solution. Uh, is that kind of why it, it got crazy? So it got crazy. Uh, FSS just, there's a lot more to it than this, but they gave pay raises uh, to the providers, which gave pay raises to their employees. That was something that it all mm. came into. We still yet to get a great answer. I'm just giving you some things I definitely know that that they uh, had some, like They're I just said, they were saying, I, my wife and I got 100 hours to take care of my child, but where's where can we draw the line and i get paid and st- we get 100 hours a week so you get right. 60 hours time and a half too yeah so you got to do the math there that so just things like that added up now was that a billion dollar shortfall i'm not sure what what else comes into that and we've yet to come to the conclusion just from the meetings that i've seen the questions i've asked came to kind of that conclusion but we're gonna have to come together and figure it out that's Kind of what our job is. So from the General Assembly 5,000-foot overview, what are the other major things that constituents should be looking for over the the last couple weeks of the session here? So I would say uh, we talked about those couple bills. We got a 13th check bill I co-authored that I would say it's – well, we've passed it again. We passed it last year, and we're going to pass – we passed it again this year unanimously and put it kind of on the Senate's court to – that gives your public school teachers, uh, state troopers, uh, DNR officers, it gives them a 13th check uh, just at the end of the year. And it's nothing more than between 200 to $450, no more than 450 That's usually the range. It's just kind of a cost of living paycheck they get for their service. So it's an additional pay, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So yeah, and This, it, is, it, this it, is a pop- popular bill. Yeah. And it... it uh, it passed uh, unanimously out of the House two years in a row, and the Senate last year didn't do anything with it. But this year, it's a cost of living paycheck, two to four hundred and fifty dollars for our people who. Is it? I think. Will it be a one-time well thing, or you have it's to re- just, reauthorize it every, I think it's every, every cycle? Every cycle, which is fine. If we do it in a budget year, then I would say then it'll be every two years. So it's something that I think is going to move. Uh, Something, a cosmetology bill. Somebody's probably like, why are you in a cosmetology bill? Well, that's what my wife does. So uh, my wife's interested in that. So when you have a wife, happy wife, happy life, we all know that. So uh, she's interested in that. When I see a cosmetology bill, we talked, I spoke to her about it, jumped on board. When's the best time you ever learned anything about your job was when you were probably doing the job. Right. With on the job training. On the job training was probably the best, the most you've ever learned. That's kind of what this does. Uh, they go into an internship program with a cosmetologist. They're kind of their right hand person. They teach them the, that one on one training, teach them, go through the process, can get your license that way. So, I, if, if I remember right from 2016 when I was involved with the Rex Bell governor campaign, 
I think we saw that it was like 2000 hours of training to be a barber. I mean, it, in, in Indiana, that some of the licensing requirements are just it's, unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Barbering we're one of, pretty so we're one of the yeah. most, uh, the, the strictest when it comes to that, which what they do is very important. They, uh, 1500 hours they got to do in training. Uh, but this isn't the last cosmopology bill you're going to be seeing. <laughs> Be, I'll say that gonna be, he's going to be in charge of, 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 of grooming and beer. Well, they need a lot of they just they just they need a lot of updates in the cosmetology program on what they get schooled on. Their biggest things for I mean, you know, highlights. That's what they do, and not they don't do very many perms these days. Finger waves, different things that they have to do more of those than what you they gotta, do. We got to focus on the the eye breeding now yeah. and the, the the threading and all of those things. Yep. So perms, grandma needs a perm, but she's, you know, that's why my wife, anytime she got, uh, a, somebody wanted to come to her to a perm, she sent them to my great aunt. So <laughs> that's, that's where they she's sent them. Much more experienced. Yeah. What's a, so what's something that you're the most proud of from this first term of you know, both sessions? I would say, the bill I'm most proud of, I passed one last year, but that, that was kind of a technical question, kind of got your feet wet and that, but I would say this, this year, school safety and 13th check last year, I would say is the financial literacy piece. Uh, it was house bill 1281, but it turned into Senate bill 35 kind of got breeded into that. So I would say those two bills, those are just financial literacy has to be taught in your school uh, balance. I know we use online, but your basic things, how to write a check, how you balance a checkbook, things that are becoming kind of obsolete. And I was going to say, did we just put something in in law that in 70 years are going to be like, and you have to learn how to write this check out. Yeah. Like, what the hell's a check? So they're, <laughs> and like getting back to uh center license cursive bill. I mean, if you, I'm sure you guys have ran into pe- kids these days. You say sign your name, and they literally just print their name on the thing. I'm like, do you have a signature? And they're like, no, that's what <laughs> I do. What I do. I'm like, okay, but just kind of like that. How how go about things that we think is pretty common to us, but they have no idea on how to do it. Ha, what? When did you graduate, Corey? Oh nine. Two thousand nine. Yeah. Okay. So you're five years ahead of me, and. I learned cursive, yep. but I mean, I never write in cursive. No, never. me neither. I, occasionally, like whenever we have a big whiteboard, my son's about to turn four, so I, I know what boat you're in. But we have a big whiteboard that we, uh, we use for him to draw on and stuff, and like you know, work with him on writing his name, trying to figure out letters and things. And I like tried to whip out some cursive just to impressive mm-hmm. and it was like i got to a f and i was like mm. <laughs> mm, that's a tough one <laughs> we learned yeah. cursive i learned cursive there's some letters that i failed to remember how to write so we might just write those in normal <laughs> and then move on yeah that's the, uh, <laughs> but we I, I still from legislate the older legislators they send you notes and stuff it's in cursive so that's yeah that's where it kind of comes into a big deal to know how well, to and you have to it. work in, in in the real world you have to work across multiple generations right are there any uh are there any legislators that are so old that are they're still writing their s's as f's <laughs> I, won't, I won't go call them out by name but we do have some some senior they, 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 tom just retired yeah. so he doesn't count <laughs> the uh you and i graduated in the same 
decade, just okay. on the other side of it. Okay. Uh, but I, and I, I learned cursive in, in public schools in New York yeah. state, uh, at a very, very tender young age. Uh, I had to, I had to yeah, learn. I think I learned it in like second or third second, grade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it was like early elementary is real early. And I, I think we learned it long enough to like, I, don't, I mean, I think we rewrote stuff after that, but I'm not sure how much they critiqued on it. I think mine was fourth grade. I, I was bitter because I wasn't allowed to write. You yeah. weren't allowed to write your name in cursive until you learned all the letters and we learned them in order. Zach, last one. Marianne. Just, just <laughs> holding out the whole year. It's like, <laughs> they'll get to me. It'll be May before I get to write my name in cursive, but whatever. Meanwhile, Adam I, has been writing I his name remember, all year long. I was so frustrated because that whole year that we learned cursive, the teacher made us only write in cursive for the whole year. So it was just very frustrating. And then I remember feeling like the, the shackles were broken the next year. But look finally how beautiful his print. penmanship is though. He does it. He does a great job. Yeah. The funny thing too is that you, you, you people need a signature, but then like almost every adult I know, their signature is absolutely illegible. Right. Yeah. It's usually yeah. first, first initial scribble, last initial scribble. Yeah. I think that's mine. So even mine, I've just stopped caring. So let's turn the mirror around. Uh, we've been talking about the issues that uh, Representative Criswell has has brought for, forth himself, but you also have a very unique way that you're able to measure what's going on in the district. And at the beginning of each cycle, uh, there's a mailer that that gets sent out that collects information about the district, and you get feedback. And as I've talked to legislators in the past, they say, hey, there's like a pool of questions or a bunch of questions you could choose from. You say, hey, here's the ones I want to ask the people. And then they go out. So how how's this process work for you? Yeah, so you get a list of about uh, it's between 50 and 60 questions. No, they're kind of categorized on what they're about. I didn't know until this year you could actually r- fill in some of the questions. You could write your own question. I did not know that to start. They failed to tell us that until a veteran legislator spilled the beans on that one. But uh, so I kind of go through what I kind of start checking. I like this question and kind of go through a process and it funnels it down to 15, 10 to 15. And then kind of, all right, I mark two or three education. Let's get which one do I think's the best one that fits and kind of think about your district on what what I think is going to be coming down the pipe. That's why some of these questions are on there. What I see in the future, maybe when it either comes to healthcare or education or different things that I'm sure we're going to get to. Uh, that's why this thing, if you get it, please fill it out in the mail. So uh, last year that I had the option, you could fill the bubbles in and send it back. I promise you, you'll never get another one. That's just a QR code for those of you that I read your comments on the on your survey. I, I, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say this time I I filled it out. I got my little letter in my bag over there, and yeah. I normally I would have one. I would fill it out by hand, and I think and mail it back in, and then I'd get the handwritten note back. I'm like, son of a bitch! I got a form letter. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I remember what um. And one time, Tom Saunders, whenever he was a state rep, sent out, they used to send out the constituent surveys yeah. and you would fill it out. And uh, there was no place for comments. So I would just wrote around the question, like, <laughs> yes, but kind of no. Like, because <laughs> some of the, some of the questions are like, uh, should like, 
for instance, on your 2023 legislative survey, it's should Indiana take more action to limit the out of control costs of healthcare? It's like, well, yes, but also no. This is a very complicated question that I don't feel comfortable answering yes or no to. Yeah. You know, like the, the one, there was all kinds of those on that one. And I felt like I was just writing all over the thing. And then I got a personal, uh, letter back from Tom and that I, we had never talked to him. Like he had not been on the show before. He didn't know who I was, but he, I really appreciate the time that you spent. I was like, Oh, nice. But Tom, the letter writer, of course he would have sent a letter. Yeah. So that's kind (laughs) of how they, how it come, how you pick your questions and kind of what you see in the future, what's important to you and kind of see, get the district's feel on different sub, different things that's going to, I know is going to happen. So, so, and if you get it in the mail, please fill it fill, out, fill it out and send and, it back. So and, what kind of response did you get? So as you have it in right here in front of you, the 2023, I know we just really want to get to the back of the 2023 one. So you guys <laughs> just want to ask the questions. Well, it, it shocked, it shocked me. And I know that Tom said that it was, uh, that it wasn't a big part of the district that supported the legalization of marijuana. And, that that surprised me big time, um, but I, I know it, it might just be the thing is like I that's why I was going to ask you like what how many people are answering this do you know like what the demographics are in your district how many of them are actually your voters do you get any kind of information like that yeah so uh, this one four hundred eighty one people filled out this survey in twenty twenty three in twenty twenty three and that's. This question is going to be on my next one, and it's going to be a loan question, not with the other question below it with the medical marijuana. This one's just going to be so. Just, so last year you asked, and you said you're, you're probably one of the very few millennial legislators, right? Yeah, there's there, only a handful yeah. of us. Uh, and you said, "Do you support the legalization of marijuana?" And forty percent of the respondents said yes. Fifty-one percent said no, and half of, or I guess the remaining nine percent were undecided. Yeah. So. It's pretty, pretty much close. a coin flip at that yeah. point. Uh, but then the second question you asked was, okay, legalization of medical marijuana and 60 per 60 percent said yes. Yeah. That's, oh, well over 60 said yes. And this is from Probably. one of the most rural conservative yeah. districts in the state. Yeah. I mean. I would say we could even push it to 70 because yeah. that 9% undecided that probably the same people yeah. that put 9% undecided 20, on 25% said no. Yeah. So. Only one in four said, hell no, don't let, don't yeah. let them do it. So I wanted to ask the question. I think it, I mean, every, Michigan's done it. Ohio's done it now and, uh, Ohio's coming and then Illinois's done it and then Kentucky's in the works doing it. So with a new governor race going on, I know it's going to be an issue coming and I want to represent the seven, whether my opinion on it's different than others, I want to represent that 70,000 the best I can. And this is where that comes into play right here. And I think fifth, just say 51, we can go 55, 45, a coin flip when it comes to the legalization completely. If we ask that question by itself next year, which it's going to be on there, I'm marking my word here. It's going to go higher. And we'll, let's see where it lands then. Uh, cause if you, I look at that question comparable to some other legislators that's at that, ask that question. It's from the same kind of district, 
and it's all over the map when it comes mm-hmm. to there's uh when it's some very positive for it, others not for it at all. It just so you guys, I I've listened to the show, and you guys, that's a question you ask. So that's a question that's important to me, and I know it's going to be coming up, and I want to be the voice for this district and represent as best as I can. So I I I think you. It's, are, for the are, next couple of years, am I, am I am I reading the tea leaves correctly? That should be authoring a bill, or you're just you're just you're just taking the temperature. I'm taking the temperature. All right, I won't be authoring. <laughs> Leave that to Jim Lucas. <laughs> well, we have we have about I want to say there's five that uh, Lucas Payne, uh, Van Adder, Teshka. Those they usually have a bill every year. That there, there was one uh, as I was watching. The Capital Chronicle, um, there was one bill that was trying to make the legislation around selling like the Delta 8 stores and stuff, making it a lot harsher to sell hemp flour. I'm like, I was like, how are we going to go backwards uh, on this right now? (laughs) There was legislation on hemp flour, whatever they want to call it. Uh, So it passed. I voted for it puts literally guardrails around nothing that doesn't make it more stringent this bill we passed but it just says because as of that a 14 year old could just walk in there and buy it and they there's nothing the labels oh it's really just, yeah so this just oh. makes uh it's it was crazy to me too i didn't have wow, a clue. I so no there, was no, there was no there was really no guardrails wasn't around. treated as any sort of a controlled yeah, substance so so how are we going to I mean, something needs to be packaged and say you had to be 18 to buy this product and things like that. So. Okay, that makes sense. So let's look at the 2024. Another, the second, the second question that you asked in 24 is one that's been near and dear to our heart uh, on this show. And I, I can tell you that we, Dakota, Zach, and I have probably talked to more candidates and over the course of the last six years of this show's existence and, and talked to a whole lot of candidates that just hung their heads at the end of the cycle because of straight ticket voting. Yep. Uh, you asked the question, which I was very, very impressed by, uh, saying, Hey, should we eliminate straight ticket voting? Is this something you've been hearing from your constituents as well? I would say there's constituents that say that. Yes. Uh, I'll say exactly what (laughs) Dakota said earlier in the year. You're going to author the bill. It's going to go right in the trash can more than likely. But I wanted to hear, I've heard it from multiple people. So a, a good handful of people that, and that's what I think this is for. You get it back. That's what. So if this ever came up, there you go. 65%, probably again, closer to 70%, 70, 30. Want to eliminate. Want to eliminate it. So I think it's fine with me. They vote, go through, vote for who you think's best for the job. And then that's all she wrote. But I think when people vote, you want to go in and you want to click the names that you want. Yeah. I, even though, even if I just go in and click all one side, um, right? You, you still, I never go in and just hit the button and walk out the door. But I know there's people that do that. So. Well, in in if you're you also look, shortchanging some of your options, like yep. the Henry County Council at large race that's coming up this year. If you straight take a vote, you're not going to s- select three council members. Yep. On on that issue of straight ticket voting, there are some states that have now gone to ranked choice voting. I think Maine and Alaska both have said, "Hey, give us a ranking." Right? So, in a, a county council race where you've got six potentially qualified folks that are running, 
you get three votes. What if you went in and said, hey, this is my number one choice, my number two, my number three, and my number four, all the way down the line. Yep. You could potentially use that to get the best of what the entire community wants. Uh, and as you it, uh, other races as well, when you get three-way races for yep. governor across the board, it, it might create an opportunity for folks to to actually feel like their vote's getting heard. And, and my fear is that when you get to an, uh, an election and no Democrat files to run, if you, based upon the, your zip code, you say, oh, government's not for me. I'm not going to be a part of the process yeah. because I just can't participate and I can't yeah. win. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go through the effort. I did it four years, six years ago. I don't know what it was, uh, running for county council. People just withdraw from the process. Yeah. So if I, throughout the course of this show, I've tried to whisper the words to everybody that has the opportunity to get involved or to change it, that we've got to find ways to get pe good people to the table that may not necessarily belong to the team that's in charge for their county. Yeah, for sure. We, we just spoke about it today uh, at lunch. We got an awesome right in this uh, United States to be able to vote and be democratic and vote for who you want to vote for. And that's, one of the biggest things you can do as a uh, as a human being here, an adult, vote for whoever you think's best for the job, and let let the best person win. So, I mean, as an example, be, just because he's from Indiana, Pete Buttigieg, who's the Secretary of Transportation, probably has no chance of ever winning a statewide office in Indiana. Even though he was, you know, fourth place for president on the Democratic side, yeah. he's a sitting cabinet member. Based upon where he's from he very likely will never have an opportunity to, to serve in, in one of those offices. Uh, right. But he's one of the brilliant minds of, you know, of his generation, like his politics or not. Yep. Those are thought leaders that just have to be, have to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, I would agree with you. I'd say from, I believe I read he moved to Michigan and I would say that's probably one reason he moved yeah. was for that reason. Yeah. Cool. Um, one last thing on the legislative survey here. Um, I noticed that in 2023 and 2024, you had the same question on here, and it's dealing with the fact that 60% of school, public school funding, makes it to the classroom. And the, I agree with the question, you know, of course, I, I fully support getting more of that money to the, to the actual classrooms, to our local schools. Uh, the question is how? It, is there any kind of discussion that you've heard uh, where the basis of that question is? Well, one is they probably need a little more money, which I agree. And they've they've gotten more money throughout the years, especially these past probably eight years or so. I have access to a portal and it's, their fundings went nothing but up uh, when it comes to that. I would say we got to look at different what is what are we spending money on get dive in the weeds that's why if you're local and your public school a very important elected position is the school board we got i work with a willing i work with a lot of great school board members here and community with newcastle we got a great school board shenandoah i know we do uh, i know some people on tries different things blue rivers knights town's probably the most involved when it comes to their associate school board association so here in henry county we got great school boards 
and they care about the kids. And I believe we got great leaders at the top, superintendents, wives that are in it for the right reasons, care about the kids. And you could, that's where it all needs to start. We need to all have the common goal of we want the best for our kids and the learning process and some of these things you see on the news that happens in classrooms. Yes, it happens. It's terrible. But that's one that's one bad apple in this profession that doesn't roll over into many, many others. So just like any profession, there's one, something happens and we're gung-ho that something needs to be changed. We're, we have thousands and thousands of good teachers that are in it for the right reasons. So that's kind of where I think it needs to be focused on and where can we kind of shuffle a little money. I don't like using that word, but where can we get money, more money? What are we spending money on that we might not need to spend this much money on? Move it over to here. I know it's not that easy, uh, but I think they all know that I'm willing to help, and that's a, that's a passion of mine and always will be. I get I meet with uh, the local superintendents, not just local, all over. Uh, all the Henry County superintendents, we meet at the park restaurant once a month on a Friday and kind of they bring their issues and talk and what can we do or what do you see on this legislation? So during sessions, it's every month to kind of keep an eye on what's going on. And uh, Senator Rotz is there too. And what, I mean, he's, potentially he, future congressman Rotz. could be, That's true. could be. Yeah. So, uh, and chair of the education that committee, they're going to be a caucus in a seat. Yeah. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> All right, the mailbox is about to fill up. Representative Speedway, Speedy had yeah. uh, had something in my mailbox. Oh yeah, it seems like a basically a little book. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so uh, that's kind of on that question. But get to so we got I got a great relationship with superintendent school boards. Uh, their work is very. I mean, some people don't even think of the school board like that, but that that position is very much needed with good people with the right things in their mind and heart. All right. So we were watching Patreon and patrons, patrons do get to lob some questions in here. Mm-hmm. So there was it's one from, the there was one from Andrew Bowman that I want to ask about uh, daylight saving time. Do you have any interest in adjusting daylight saving time in any way in your new, in your new role as a state legislator? I will tell him I, it doesn't, it's whatever to me, but I never understood why we changed it when we did. I was like, I I don't even I might have been I think I was in high school when it changed. Mitch Daniels was the governor. Mm-hmm. He was dying to change it. I never thought it was a problem before, but I'll say there's legislators that will fight to to eliminate daylight savings time time altogether. All right. And now you've got this you've got this you're probably the only person that's ever had the the referee jersey and the uh basketball hall of fame and the ability to be a, a state legislator. So are you going to do anything with class basketball? There's a, uh, I'll say there's another representative from the Fort Wayne area that wants to look at it. And uh, ISCA obviously doesn't want to do anything. I think I'd, I'm personally probably not going to do it. I would love to, I would have loved to have been in a sectional with Tri, Knightstown, yeah. Blue River at the field house and just playing. I th- I think that's, when community support and get some good old fashioned mm-hmm. rivalries in town mm-hmm. uh, to play. But I, I love, I loved refing. I think every coach should probably have to ref and you look at it a little different. That doesn't mean it, especially the listeners that know me. I, I was not shy of words to the referees for sure, but giving them a hard time, that's part of the job. But uh, 
they knew my passion for it was behind it and I I cared about what they we might not always agree. That's like that's life. We'll agree to disagree on some things, but you gotta have the conversation started and that leads into this position. But I love coaching. Representative Pierce is in the chat and he wants to know if uh <laughs> you like bobcats. Oh Lord. Uh there's a Bobcat Senate bill that came over that we'll be voting on here next week that just allows DNR to put a Bobcat season in. They kind of have control on how Seriously? long they even Already? have it. Yeah. I feel like our population is not that insane. So Bobcats right I now. say in southern Indiana it's pretty getting Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, so okay. areas. So gotta protect our backyard chickens. I'll be a yes vote on that. I feel That's like true. we have avid hunters here in Henry County. Pro so Bobcat hunting. They'll be all for it. For no particular reason, I did have to do some research on what to do about hawks with back door, backyard chickens, and I found out that in Il- Indiana, I'm supposed to just let them murder my chickens <laughs> uh, merc- mercilessly, like with impunity, and I cannot touch them. <laughs> You're just feeding the local hawk <laughs> population. Not, <laughs> yeah, I can't do anything except for try to scare them away hawks are a lot smarter than what you think too they're not scared of a, a, a plastic owl that hasn't moved for eight days <laughs> <laughs> just get so fat on your chicken that has to waddle in it can't even fly anymore yeah yeah i any, any other hot topics you want to you you want to ask about uh well 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 well, the mics are open, Zach. No. Uh, any other arcane Indiana laws you want to have changed? <laughs> I'll be honest. When the the happy hour one came up, I was like, that's a thing? Like, I don't drink, so I'm, like, not in on that. But I'm like, how backwards are we? Like, that we don't have happy hour. Like, we have to make it an appetizer thing. Like, I think the marijuana thing is going to come around. If, Like I said, I'll, I've joked, if, if you're a runner, I run around Newcastle. It's coming around. I can smell it, literally. Um but the straight ticket thing, even it just came up in the last couple of weeks. Our voting machines in Henry County like give you an error if you don't vote straight ticket. It's like, oh come on, let's get by some of this. But no, yeah. like the education thing. My wife's a teacher, but she's also a PTO president, and so some of that, like some people, are like oh schools are racist, but schools are strapped in a lot of ways. Like my the PTO paid for my kids elementary school to paint their gym. Like they needed money to paint their gym and they've been raising money for playground equipment for a couple of years now. So schools aren't just blown through it. Um, I did look up, I took notes because the superintendent was at a city council meeting about, it was a $4.3 million grant. Um, and they, I think it came with money set aside just to figure out what to do with the grant. Like they got money to figure out what to do with the grant money. But one of the things he mentioned was they're going to have 13, <laughs> different paths at Newcastle that you can take and there'll be like mini college courses basically where you'll have four different classes within these paths. And the last class is a capstone internship that you'll be out in the community working with somebody in the field that you chose to go through. That's so, cool. so I saw that one of the questions was about do schools prepare people for the jobs? Um, I originally, I don't think that's what schools were designed for school. High school was kind of designed originally just to give you a basic education. You kind of, you worked on after that, but like, you know, we've had the, we've talked about the career center here. It looks like the high school is kind of getting into the career center side of things with directing people into certain things. So they're making movement on that. So final thoughts from you, Zach. Uh, I got nothing. It's supposed to snow tomorrow. Pretty excited. Uh, I watched the Super Bowl. It wasn't, I did actually, I did, I only watched like a quarter and a half of it. Then I had to dad and I didn't get to watch the rest of it, but it looked okay. So I saw Taylor Swift one. So, but no, not really. Just running around. You still at your street and still going? Yeah. 
800 days straight of running a mile? 776. Are you going to be at Disney World for 800? Have you, have you figured out what the magic day is yet? No, it'll be just before that. Man, that's, that is going to be nine real hard days. I'm going to have to set an alarm <laughs> to get out. I'll probably have to like, Bowman knows what's up. I'll probably have to sign up for like Genie Plus or something like that at 7 a.m. to get us on a ride and then go run around while the everybody else is trying to get themselves moving. So good luck. Yeah. Um, all right. This has been a pleasure. We, we're glad to, glad to have you join us. Yep. Uh, and, uh, tell us, tell the folks how they can, I guess get more involved, reach you if you have any other open events, third house things where folks can uh can get some FaceTime for themselves. Yeah, I'd say uh Facebook page, Corey Criswell, personal Corey Criswell State Representative District fifty four is my uh campaign one. Reach out to those, message anytime. Uh some of my former players, they tend to send me you can just Google my name and I'm usually I think I'm the first one that come up. So on there, you can go to my uh, website through the state or website, personal website, and get numbers. Call the state house, email Hoosiers for Criswell at gmail.com is probably the easiest one that I, I check automatically. That's just my campaign one. Uh, reach out anytime, any concerns. If you see on a bill or bills coming through, you hear about it or need more information, or you hear about it in the media. Uh, reach out and they, they, they might not, they could be telling you the whole truth, but they might not be, but we have some dialogue and I tell everybody I meet with, there's things that we're going to agree on. And there's things we're not, that's part of life, but we're going to agree to disagree on some things. And tomorrow I'm still going to talk to you, walking by you, have a conversation with you. That's, that's part, that's part, that's how life goes on. We're all going to live together, right? Yeah. We have some, some heated discussions there at the state house or at our third houses or whatever, but it's over when it's over. I think that's been a positive thing from being a coach. You have a lot of different people trying to tell you how you should win a game or who should play and do all that. But that's, but obviously you have the ultimate goal. You want to win and do what's best for your community and your constituents and what they, I believe the majority of them, everybody has their different opinion how they feel the same way. So that's what I try to do. Best advice my seat, uh, I call him my seat mentor ever gave you, you think about, say you get some 60% of a lot of people don't know 60% of votes go through unanimously then about 20% then 80. They gave the stat today, the guy that was retiring, we did a resolution for him, like 80% of the bills go through bipartisan. Then you have the 20 in between that are controversial one way or the other. Uh, so those are the ones that get heated that and you ask and you just ask yourself, how does this affect my district? Whatever bill you're voting on, how does it affect my district? Does it, what can be the consequence of that? I saw I, that speaking about that, um, sorry to interrupt. Oh, you're good. There was a, a protected wetlands bill yep. that was controversial, very split vote, yep. uh, narrowly made it through. And you were one of the yes votes to protect the wetland area. Yep. So, uh, that the IDEM and the Department of Environmental, Environmental Management. Management, they came together with the builders. For those of you that follow government, that never, ever happens, ever. They came up with a bill. So, uh, to, they agreed. They, neither one of them got exactly what they wanted, obviously, but they agreed on a bill. So it moved forward. There's a lot of controversy to go with it, but, 
when those two sides come together and agree on something that's you kind of kind of look at those getting back to the very beginning of the show on who comes together, who's kind of helping lead the lead the way on this. When those we saw those two sides come together and it was I mean, it was kind of like they never do. They never agree, especially when you're sitting in environmental affairs. Uh, So, Mm, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of unique situation. And they were they agreed. And then some other advocates didn't. But. And that's kind of how it goes. Last thing for me, I know, I know Dakota, I know you got final thoughts, but the, uh, the Jerry Walden Memorial interchange at one Oh three and 70. <laughs> so is, that, he, is that coming? Oh, he, <laughs> I would say that's not coming, but uh, he, he's discussed it with me and I've discussed it with NDOT. But uh, as I was told by a legislator, the first thing coming about, uh, <laughs> they said, what are you going? You're talking to NDOT and they're just like, good luck. So, that's kind of the uh, thing they said whenever I, they, they kind of a department of their own and they have all these studies and engineers and do all this stuff. So even though we think it's a good idea, they don't think it's a good idea. We can, they're redoing the bridge right now. That'd be a perfect time to done it, but it didn't happen. There's, so. there's plenty of orange barrels coming our way on state road three next year and the year after. Yep. For uh, sure. And you're getting a roundabout up there at, uh, at the school. Yeah. Right. up my, uh, hometown getting a roundabout there at 36 <clears throat> and Raider First road one in Henry turn, County turned into Carmel. Yeah. We're, it'll be interesting to see my father's it's came to, he's like, he really think these folks are going to know how to work that. And I said, well, the people of Anderson figured it out. Yeah. I'm sure I have high faith for, so we'll, for Fall Creek we'll find out. It'll, It'll definitely slow traffic down, which that's what it's meant to do. There was a lot of studies done on it. It's been in the works since 2017. So before I even thought about it, I've had four or five meetings on that project alone. They didn't go quite as planned, but hey, that's you win some, you lose some. Uh, just think positively and just keep the kids safe. That's all I, that's what I want. Keep this, don't lose any lives there and let's, make the best out of it because it's coming whether we like it or not. I hope yeah, they don't yeah. landscape it so it's like full deuce of hazard if somebody just blows <laughs> through it. That's oh, the first yeah. thing I think yeah, of right. is like, because you know that area, Raider Road, the other end, there's like a big drop off where it hits 38 and mm-hmm. some cars have made that trip off that hill because they just uh, kind of snooze the snooze the stop sign you wow. say snooze it could be some other things involved yeah. in that. Well, yeah. Yeah. They could, yeah <laughs> no there could kidding. be like maybe a chemical in their stuff in their bloodstream that's depressing their I believe uh, Zach also get back your wife was the PTO president of school I was a teacher at. yeah she still she, is yeah so she uh, took very good care of the teachers there at Parker Elementary shout out to Parker uh, Parker Panther like I said before I worked at Wilbur Wright and Parker Elementaries and loved every second of it uh, Wilbur Wright has one of the best principals I ever worked for and Jean Ann McAllister when we got back she was a kid's first uh, I would say leader. Let the kids. She thought of the kids first. Teachers were a big part of that, and that's why when you look at that school, there's very little turnover when it comes to the teachers. Uh, they Good. they want to work for her. Very stable. Final thoughts from you, Dakota. Um, I, I really don't have much. Just thanks for coming, Corey. I no appreciate problem. it. Uh, this has been in the works for a few weeks now. Yep, which is good. I think you were shocked when I responded i was i really was actually i was like oh god we got him we got him i was celebrating i think i sent a screenshot all that's left all that's left for dakota now is greg pence 
That's what I said. I did say that. I said, now I'm just got to get Greg Pence to come on. Uh, he's retiring. So I think that I can actually make that happen. I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful. I think he d- he's, he's well. And these, he was spoke at the Lincoln day last year, Henry County, uh, Lincoln. Yeah, he's day, been around. He, he was phenomenal. I, I mean, found that if I'm not at a Republican fundraiser, I never run across the guy. And I just don't understand how that works. He was phenomenal when it came. They did like a question answer. And I mean, he kind of gave you some behind the scenes on certain things. It was very interesting to listen to. It'd be fun. I've not talked to a sitting congressman. We've only talked to a lot of people who are running for Congress that have lost. I had I had great relationship (laughs) with Mike Pence, with Luke Messer, with with David McIntosh. I've known all the congressmen. This one has been you're a lobbyist. Has been tough. I've never been a lobbyist. Way way before then. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Way before then. How long have you been at your current employee? No, 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 no. The only, I'm talking about P. Carrot. Yeah, I was going to uh, say the college agriculture stuff is that that's like 2016 and beyond. Uh, the, the other stuff was just. Is it really only 2016? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was longer than that. Maybe 2014. I don't know. Somewhere in there. 20. I don't know. What year is it now? What's the current year? 24? 20. Maybe 2012. I probably, okay. I probably there, started that there around 2012. Now we're getting into the era. When you're having fun. It just, it just runs on by really quickly. <laughs> 12 years is a while. That's yeah, a long, pretty inactive the last two years. I, I retired from Pete Carrot when, when Tom retired. Now, now there's mm. some other folks hanging out with, uh, with, with Corey down there at the, at the, now it's more of a farm bureau slash Pete, uh, Purdue College Agriculture event. So anyway, um, my final thought here real quick. It, we're at springtime now. Their NASCAR is running in, in the background over here at Daytona. Check your forecast. Uh, Boss Hog of Liberty alum Brayton Laster is racing this weekend again at Daytona in the my my parents just let me do whatever the hell I can. Uh, the kid, the 19-year-old is going to be going 220 miles an hour or whatever it is in the draft at Daytona. Uh, thoughts and prayers. I can, I'm, I'm going to be watching the race and hopefully, uh, hopefully he can get himself a win. He's in a better car this year than he was last, Zach. I'm just laughing at the thought of, yeah, parents just let you do whatever you want to do. It's like, man, I let my kid play with Legos. His parents let him go run at Daytona at 200 miles an hour or whatever it is. <laughs> it's awesome. All right. Third year in a row, the guys at Daytona. All right. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Uh, I, yeah, it's, I'm picking up my camper tomorrow, Zach, and it's going to snow. It's going to be great. <laughs> I was just looking. You're like springs here. I look at the forecast. My phone says one to three inches of snow tomorrow. Piece of cake. With that, we'll leave you Easy. there. We'll see you next week.